Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. I'm so excited to be here today and to have an opportunity to teach the Bible. It's, it's the dearest thing in my life to teach the Bible and to watch it work in people's lives and watch people grow and watch people change. And this week I'm launching a series titled The Generous Life, A Deeper Look at Money. And we're going to begin to talk about this thing called generosity, which is a God thing. It's a Bible thing. And I remember growing up and hearing my relatives, they said this all the time, and they'd be so upset with the priest uh, in our Catholic church if, if they mentioned one of these things. And they would say, you should never talk about politics or money in church. And I heard my relatives say that over and over again, and I agree with half that statement. I really believe I, I shouldn't be talking politics when I stand up here. I believe I can talk about a righteous cause that's biblically based. Righteous causes are awesome, and I believe you can be involved in politics, and if that's where God leads you, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you for, for pursuing that and doing that. But I believe when I speak from here, I need to be like Jesus. And, you know, they came to Jesus and tried to get him to talk about politics, and they were talking taxes, and Jesus said, give me a coin, and they give him a coin. He says, whose face is on there? And they go, Caesar's, and he says, give unto Caesar's what is Caesar's. He did not complain that the taxes were too high in the, in the Roman Empire. And here's what I want you to know. I have political, I have political opinions. I am very opinionated. I'm very black and white. I have no gray area at all anywhere in my life. And uh, if you were my family or a close friend, you would know what my views are in, in those areas. But I believe people come to church to be connected with God. And that's what church is all about. And I believe Jesus and Paul gave us examples. That's what this position, this is a holy place that I've come to talk about God and help people. So I'm glad that independents and, and uh, liberals and conservatives and Democrats and Republicans, I'm glad whoever you are, man, that you've come to get connected with God. And, and I really believe, I know what I believe, but I'm not sure if I'm 100% right, but I do know what I believe. And we'll all figure it out someday. Jesus will show us later. But when it comes to money, the Bible talks a lot about money, and Jesus talked about money, and Paul talked about money. And I realize that some preachers, some on TV, some in churches, I realize they talk about it way too long. I remember one of the first churches my parents went to, and I was in Bible school, they took 20-minute offerings. Can you imagine a 20-minute offering? That's like whoa and uh, I could see where that would turn people off and 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 I realize some people take offerings and they manipulate while they're taking the offering and I don't think that's good and I know some people do it wrong but that doesn't mean it's wrong it means they do it wrong and it doesn't mean there's not a right way uh, to do this thing called money and teaching on the subject of money so that's what we're going to be doing in this series and I have this thought that I want you to walk out remembering today. This is my big goal for today. God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. This is a quote from Randy Elkhorn, and he wrote some incredible books, one on treasures, one on heaven. They're absolutely incredible. His book on heaven is considered the best book ever written on the subject of heaven. He didn't go to heaven, but scholars say that it's the best book that anybody ever writ, biblically based on heaven. He also wrote a version of the book for kids, so if you have kids and grandkids, you want to teach them about heaven, 
incredible. This, this guy's really helped my life in understanding giving and, and understanding uh, the Bible and money and what perspective to put it into. So look at this quote again. God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. That's, that's biblically true, and I hope to prove that to you today, and I hope to help you walk out never forgetting this incredible truth. And, and I stop and think about why money is so important. And the one thought, I don't know if it's the only thought, but it's a thought that comes to me when I think about it, is that money represents our life, guys. 99.9% uh, .9 of us, we make our money how? By working and working hard. And so when we receive that check and we have that money in our account, that represents my life, my time. And that's why it's so important to God because what we do with it represents what we're doing with our life in connection with God. And so it becomes really, really important to God. So we'll talk about that today. We'll have a great time. Now, some of you may be visiting, and what a great weekend for you to visit. Some pastors are afraid to teach on this, but I have learned I'm not teaching on it for me. I'm, I'm teaching on it to help people and change people's lives forever in this area. And so I'm excited you're here. But let me tell you, I used to sit in seats and I remember the first church that I went to. I was just turned 20 when I start going to the church and I'm a young man and I had business debt, just closed a business, had great debt paying this business debt off. And uh, I, I also was in between jobs. So I'm working a minimum wage job and I'm going to this church and I'm loving it. I mean, I feel life and I love the singing. I love the teaching. And I'm like, this, I've never heard this in my life. I'm so excited. But every time they received an offering, they would say we're receiving tithes and offerings. And I could figure out what an offering is and I'd throw the big five in every week. I was so proud of myself. Let my neighbors see it. The big five's going in. And, and uh, to me, growing up Catholic, that was a huge amount of money for a 20-year-old working minimum wage to put in. And I was so excited about it. And, and, uh, but I'd hear tithe, and I, could, I knew on offering, I didn't know a tithe, and so one day I grabbed a guy in the church that was there a long time, he was a mature Christian, I said, hey, what's a tithe? And he said, uh, that's giving 10% of your income to God. And my jaw literally dropped. I was like, what? I said, that's impossible, that can't be done. And he said, that's, that's what it's referring to, and the Bible teaches it. And at that point, the church I loved, I became really angry with the pastor. Uh, because he just bought a new car and I was driving a junker and I'm thinking I'm not giving my tithe here or giving money here for him to live high on the hog and I'm suffering and I looked at money in totally the wrong way I didn't understand it but I did something that I would encourage everybody to do uh, you, you don't even have to do it like I did because I'm going to teach it to you and you can just listen to what I teach and judge it and examine it but I, I got out a reference Bible and, and I looked up every scripture on tithing and I read them and as I read them, I was amazed that it was in the Bible, and I was amazed at what the Bible says. And it's something, there's something about God. When you read the Bible, he starts to give you faith and grace uh, and open up your heart and your eyes for what you're reading. And here's one thing. I'll talk about tithing throughout this series and give you some great stories, and I'll tell more about my personal story in another lesson. But uh, the, the thing about tithing has to do with consistency. Um, it's, it's making a commitment to support the work of God. And some of you might be sitting here saying, Pastor, there's no way I can give 10% to God. I'd want to, and I think almost everybody wants to. I think the only reason we wouldn't would be this thing called fear, and I understand that. And only the Bible can take fear away, and knowing what God has to say could take fear away. But I would encourage you, make a decision to become consistent first and work towards that, and God will bless you for making that decision, and he'll bless you 
in an incredible way. God's the God who blesses. Here's a cool story. Listen to this. I just heard this. This is fresh off the press. Someone told me before service, and it was one of our guys that was in first service, and about three weeks ago, uh, these two young men came, and they accepted Christ. So these guys are young, man, and they're out, right out of the world. They accepted Christ, and so they come to our church. They, they love church. The next week, John Jacobs comes, and they're sitting there, and uh, he's talking about supporting the school, and the one man was telling my friend who I've known for years that comes there, he was telling him this story. He said, uh, I'm on a really tight budget, but I sat there wanting to help, so I wrote a check for $50, and he said it really hurt, but he said, I wanted to do something. I just wanted to do something, and he said that next week I go to work, and my boss calls me in, and he says, my boss says to me, he looks at me, he says, I decided to give you a $2 an hour raise, and I want you to know that I'm going to be promoting you, and you're going to get even a higher raise in the future. And I've heard stories like that over and over again where God opens up the windows of heaven and blesses people when they begin to become generous. So we're going to talk about this thing called generosity. It's an incredible and an awesome thing. So here's something that I think is important to understand. God literally wants you to grow in this thing called generosity. So I'm going to read scriptures out of 2 Corinthians in just a moment. Paul's writing a letter to the church at Corinth. The church of Corinth would, would be a lot like a church in America. Their economy was doing well. They were a wealthy group of people. And Paul's writing them a letter, and, and in the letters, chapters 8 and 9, he's asking them to give a special offering to the suffering church in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, the Christians were Jewish, and they were so persecuted, they were being fired for their jobs because they were Christians. Uh, they were being thrown into jail, and they were suffering, and they were poor, and they were hurting. So Paul's going to these non-Jewish churches and saying, hey, I'm going to come and receive an offering I want you to give. And so this second chapter, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, there's just so many powerful things in it. And he says this in verse 6. He says, so we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And so Titus already let him know Paul's going to receive an offering. Now he's sending Titus to finish it. And in verse 7, he says this, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So he calls giving or generosity a grace. But here's what's important. He's encouraging them to grow in it. But here's what's important. He's putting it in the same category as faith and as knowledge, which would be the Bible. And I don't think anyone in the world would think it's strange if I stood up and I said, we're going to teach on faith today. In January, I taught a series titled Start, uh, Escape Normal. It was all about using faith to pray and receive from heaven. And we all thought that was normal. And if I were to teach on love today, all of us would think that's normal. If I were to teach on knowledge and say, hey, the Bible is God speaking to us. It's alive. It will change your life. If you read it, it changes you and grows on the inside. It produces fruit. All of us say, yeah, man, that's true. And yet what I want you to see is God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. He says in the same way you grow in those, I want you to grow also in this thing called generosity. And here's what I've noticed. Uh, you don't have to be spiritual to be generous. There are some people that are generous, 
that are not even Christians. They're not even maybe God-believing or God-fearing. Some people are just born generous. But here's something I learned. Anyone that's spiritual will be generous. When you grow in your spirituality, you will be generous. And here's a cool scripture. And, and I love this scripture, Proverbs 21, 26. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. And the godly is referring to someone that's spiritually mature, someone that loves God and they're mature in the things of God. And notice how it says they love to give. These are people that don't get upset if a special offering's taken, if, if an offering's received, and if money's taught or finances are taught like we're doing today. They say, yeah, yeah, sure. It, it comes with our spirituality because God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. When one grows, the other one grows. So I want to tell you a cool story. When John Jacobs was here, my wife came to me after the weekend services and she said, uh, I, I think we should give $1,000 and support a school. I said, cool. But she said, I want to do it myself. And I said, so how do you want to do that? She says, I want to take it out of my clothing budget and my monthly spending money. And I said, honey, we can do that, but it's going to put you in a hole for months. Are you sure you want to do it? She said, yeah. She said, I want to do that. And I said, okay. And she was so excited about doing it. And, and uh, so I, I got my spreadsheet out. I went to Financial Peace University, you know, and I have my spreadsheet, and we budget everything out. And so I took her clothing budget, and I put the minus in there, and then I put it in her spending money, and I said, it's going to be months. Here, here's, here's when you have some money uh, to spend in these areas. And she just smiled. She was so happy. And I wrote the check, and that night I watched her put it in, and I saw this joy on her face when she put it in. And I share that story to say, uh, when we grow in God, we love to give. The godly love to give. And it's amazing. God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. And you know what? The Bible teaches it that way. And I want to show you how often some things are taught in the Bible. So this is money in the Bible and how it's taught. Just a few stats. Listen to this, 16 out of 38, that's 42% of the parables Jesus shared were about money. Now, in case you're new, a parable in the Bible, it, it would be found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. It's a natural story that brings forth a spiritual truth. One of my favorite parables in all the Bible is the parable of the sower. It has nothing to do with money. It's one of the other 58%. And the parable of the sower is so incredible because Jesus said this guy went out and he sowed or threw seed. And he said some seed fell on hard ground, some fell on shallow ground, very little soil, some fell on thorny soil, and some fell on good ground. And he said, and then he showed how uh, the first two didn't produce, they didn't grow. The third one, the thorny, it started to grow, but then all the fruit was choked. And then he says the good ground produced fruit, some 30, 60, and, and 100 fold. Incredible parable. This is one of the few parables that Jesus explained. And when he explained it, he said this, he said the sower is someone teaching the Bible. And he said, the soil is men's hearts. And that is so cool because it teaches us that we can be good soil. And so because I understand that, when, it, when you come every week, I'm tilling ground. And I'm, I, every week I'm trying to make all of us better soil because I want the Bible to go in you and produce fruit. So if you're sitting here, I have a plan for you. I, I, want, you, I want the Bible to duplicate itself on the inside of you. That's a parable. They're cool. Well, again, take a look at this. 16 out of 38 are about money. 
It must be important to God. Listen to this. More is said about money in the New Testament than heaven and hell combined. So if you came in today and, and I said, I'm going to teach on heaven or I'm going to teach on hell, and uh, uh, you wouldn't say hell no. You'd say, yay, he's teaching on hell. And, and uh, you'd be excited about it. I don't think that's a cuss word the way I did it. So uh, <laughs> I'll find out later. Okay. <laughs> Cut that out for TV. Okay. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Got to have fun or it's no fun. So if I taught on heaven or hell, you guys would be so excited. Uh, you say, we're going to learn a Bible truth. And it would be, yeah, that's what you should teach in church. You should teach that. That's important. But why did God teach more about, why does he have more verses on money than those two combined? It must be important. Uh, listen to this. There are 500 verses in the Bible on prayer. And there are fewer than 500 verses in the Bible on faith. Very important. If I taught them, you guys say, yeah, that's something good to teach. But listen to this. There are 2,300 verses in the Bible on money and possessions. That lets us know that this subject is really, really important. Why? God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. So if you want to grow spiritually, you have to learn what God has to say about this thing called money. And one of the things that he teaches us, that generosity is something that helps us grow spiritually. So I came up with uh, these, these things. I have four of them. And uh, it, it just goes like this, why God wants you to grow in your generosity. And this is really cool. I'm going to give you a couple reasons, help you understand better why God sees your faith and your finances as inseparable. And the first one is this, generosity transfers our wealth from earth to heaven. Have you ever heard someone say, you can't take it with you? I want you to know that's true, you know. You, you can't take any money with you when you go, but... Here's something that people don't often say, but it's every, every bit as true. You can send it ahead. <laughs> you can. The Bible teaches that you can send your money ahead. And, and the Bible talks about this thing called treasures. And, 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 and Jesus teaches some stuff that, in my opinion, are mind-blowing. And, and the Bible teaches it. It's, it's so cool. It's so, Jesus says that if we give to God and to the poor that we build up a treasure chef chest in heaven. Now, when you get into Bible interpretation, here's one thing that I've learned over the years. If Jesus says doing something causes something, that means that if you don't do it, you won't have it. And so, you know, when you accepted Christ and you gave your heart to him, you're saved. You go to heaven by grace. You can't work for it. All that's, all that's by grace. But there are things in heaven that you earn while you're down here. Uh, you're going to earn rewards. And, and God says that we can determine how much treasure we have in heaven by how generous we are on the earth. That's absolutely amazing. When I think of something like that, it, it's absolutely amazing to me. So Jesus also said some radical things. We're going to read a radical verse, but I want to put all of you at ease. Uh, Jesus is going to tell somebody to sell everything they have and follow him. And he says, you'll have treasure up in heaven. And, you know, after Jesus left the earth, that was never taught again. Paul never taught that. Peter never taught it. So here's why Jesus did. This is my opinion as I look at it. Uh, back in those days, people couldn't put their money in a, in a bank. There were no banks. Uh, uh, you know, you couldn't do anything that we do today. So if you had something that you were working you couldn't follow Jesus. It was impossible to be one of his disciples unless you got rid of what you had. So Jesus said 
hey, sell everything you have. Now, they could have gave it to their family, but he said, hey, here's, here's a novel idea. Give it to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. And he's just helping them prepare for eternity. But now, Paul, when he talks to wealthy people, he doesn't tell them that. Paul tells wealthy people in 1 Timothy 6, he says, don't trust in your money and be really, really generous. So let's take a look at this thing called treasure that you and I can build up in heaven. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to read uh, a quote from Martin Luther. I think it's pretty cool. I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all, but whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. It sets the scripture up. Listen to this. Luke 12, 33. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. And he's teaching us that there's a way to send money ahead. And when we send that money ahead, it's a treasure in heaven that never ever loses its value. And I like this, we get to enjoy it for eternity. The Bible doesn't say enough for me to create a doctrine out of this, but here's what I know. If you give and you're generous, you build up treasure in heaven, which means you won't have it unless you're a generous person. And that's why God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. So for all of you really generous people, I want to I let you know that you may not be able to live in an oceanfront home here, but God looks at generosity by percentages, and so he judges everything by percentages. And, you know, some people might give more than you, but you may give more than them percentage-wise. Can I, can I throw this at you real quick? Uh, Jesus and his disciples were sitting back, and they were watching people give into the church, the treasury, and these really wealthy people were throwing big church checks in. This poor lady comes up and throws a penny in, and Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, she gave more than all of them. So you don't, you don't have to give big amounts. It's percentages with God that impresses God. And after Paul talks to these wealthy people in 1 Timothy 6, he, he said it in finishing it up in verse 19, he said, if you're generous, you will lay up treasures in heaven. So that's important for us to know that we're literally preparing something for eternity as we give. Here's another reason. Generosity increases our love for God's kingdom. I want to tell you a story to help you understand this. Um, years ago, I purchased some Disney stock, Walt Disney. I heard it was a good buy. I heard it was low. It was a good time to buy. The company was going to grow. And I did some research, and I thought, yeah, this is a good company to buy. And So let me tell you about my opinion towards Disney before I had the stock. Before I bought stock in Disney, Disney was a place that I wanted to get my kids to one time when they were young, and Gina and I got them there one time, so that, that was great. And Disney is a place, if Gina and I ever, if we ever land up in Orlando, uh, we'll try to go to one of the theme parks and just spend a day there. Uh, but after that, I don't care about Disney. I don't care if it burns down. I, I don't care if they go bankrupt. I could care less about Disney. If I'm watching the news and, and they say Disney, I'm going to change the channel. I, don't, I didn't want to hear anything. But then I bought their stock. And once I owned their stock, if I was watching TV and I heard Disney, everybody in the room, be quiet. <laughs> i got to find out if my stock's okay. I've got money in this thing. And it changed my perspective 
of Disney. I watch the stock prices every single day. This is before smartphones, so I'm having to get it a different way. But every single day, I'm watching the stock prices of Disney. And I notice when I invest money in something, I have a love and a concern for it. And when I don't have money invested in it, I don't. So we're going to read the same verse we did, but then we're going to read the following verse. And it reads like this again. Sell your possessions, give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. So when you're laying treasures up in heaven, it changes something. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Now listen to verse 34. This is what I wanted for this. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be also. And I noticed that with Disney stock, but you know what else I noticed? When I'm generous to the work of God and I'm giving to the things of God and I have treasures laying up in heaven, I love church more. I love my church more. I love the kingdom of God more. It causes us to love. It's, it's all about investing. And when we have some skin in the game, it changes our very love. And I've noticed that my love for God and his kingdom changes and increases as I sow seed into it. And I believe this Bible principle shows it. Here's another one. You guys, this is a great one. Generosity uh, gives God an opportunity to bless us. And I'm always careful when I teach this one because I want to make sure uh, that I don't get people giving to get. I want to make sure of that. But yet the Bible teaches that when you give, it does release God to bless you. So it, I try to balance it out as best I can. Here's a great quote from Randy Alcorn. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. And if you can see God's prosperity as a, a way to bless you so you can give more, it will change your very attitude towards your giving. But there's no way to hide the fact that God will bless you if you give. And I skipped a scripture, so let me read the scripture. It's Genesis eleven twenty-five. The generous, generous will prosper... Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And you know, you can't, there's scripture after scripture in the Bible that says if you're generous, God will bless you. Here's one of my favorites, you ready? Luke 6, 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I mean, it says what you give will determine what God's able to bless you with. And just as when we give, we lay treasure in heaven, when we give, it releases God to bless us in this life. And no matter who you are, man, God wants to bless you. And I don't, I don't want to get you wanting things, but on the other hand, when you're generous, it does release God to bless you. And I want to share a cool story with you. You ready for a cool story? Um, this has to do with James Cash Penny. And James Cash Penny, what a middle name. Can you imagine that middle name? And he had no cash at first in his life, but um, this is the man that founded J.C. Penney's. Now it's publicly owned, but he's the guy that founded it. And his story is an incredible story. He grew up a pastor's kid. So he grew up in church like my kids. His dad was the pastor. As soon as he got old enough, he walked away from God. He left home. He stopped going to church. He stopped following God. And he started a retail business. And his first retail business uh, failed. It just failed miserably. And it was so hard on him that he went into what they call sanitariums. 
And a sanitarium wasn't a place for crazy people. It was a place where you went to uh, emotionally recharge after you've had an, an emotional, uh, stressful time. So he's in this sanitarium, and one day he's walking in the halls, and he hears a gospel hymn that he used to hear in his daddy's church. And he walks into this room, and this guy's playing a gospel hymn on a piano, one of, one of the other guys in the sanitarium. And, and uh, he sits down, and God so touches his heart that he repents and he says, God, I'm going to give my life back to you. I'm going to begin to follow Jesus. And he then makes that decision to live for God. Well, God restored his health and he gets out and he opens another retail business. And as he's doing this retail business, he's in the same place he was before. He sees that if he doesn't do something, he's going to have the same emotional problems. The thing's going to tank. And then all of a sudden, God brought something to his mind. And what came to his mind was this. He remembered his daddy teaching on tithing and he prayed to God and he said, God, this isn't going well, but I want to make you my partner. And here's my prayer. Here's my commitment, God. I will give a tenth of all my profits from this business to you. And I make that decision today to do it. And his business turned around. And do you know that in 1971 when he died, he, he had this business for 69 years before he died. And it turned into one store that was failing into 1,600 JCPenney stores around the nation. It became a dominant chain. Now they're publicly traded. It's, you know, he's gone. It's not his. But guys, when I hear stories like that, I get excited. And if you own a business, I want to encourage you that, think about it. If you were God, would you bless somebody that's going to sow seed? into your work? Absolutely. You'd say, man, they're going to sow seed and they're going to finance my work on the earth. I'm going to bless them. For those of us that are like me, we just, you know, we have a paycheck and, and we don't have a business. Hey, you know what? God blesses us the same, not at that level, but his favor comes into our life. I love what Malachi chapter three says, God opens the windows of heaven as we begin to be generous to what he's doing on the earth. Here's the last thing I want to say to you. Uh, we know God sees our faith in our finances is inseparable. Being generous brings true happiness. It, it really does. And I want to read a couple verses of scripture to you. These are really cool. Here's my first one, Ecclesiastes 5.10. And it reads like this, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. And, and it is so true, guys, that it doesn't bring true happiness. Listen to what Paul said in Acts 20, 35. He said, in everything I've done, I have demonstrated to you how necessary it is to work on behalf of the weak and not to exploit them. Uh, you'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said, you're far happier giving than getting. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And I remembered a story in my life this past December. I grabbed one of the angels out in the hallway and I was shopping for this little boy. And so I got him some pants and I got him a shirt and I got him a toy and I, I got everything on that list. I think there were four or five things. And I went to check out and as I'm checking out, I'm telling you, I had such joy in my heart. I was so excited about the fact I was able to bless this little boy. And I was just thinking, man, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be generous and be a blessing. You might be here and you may not be able to do anything at that level, but just being generous at any level will get the ball rolling and it will start that happiness coming. So I thought you'd appreciate these last little quotes and thoughts. Uh, there's a quote here and it goes like this, the less I spent on myself and the more I gave to others, 
the fuller of happiness and blessing did my soul become. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China in the 1600s. So you, you realize the 1600s, he gave up every comfort that this world offered. And he says, I had complete joy as I gave and sowed my life into God. But I thought you guys would love this. This is really cool. These are some of the wealthiest people that ever lived on the planet. And I want you to just see what they say about joy. And the first one is W.H. Vanderbilt. He said this, the care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. In case you don't know who he is, he had the New York Central Railroad. And if you took his worth when he lived and brought it into today's money with inflation, he was worth $5 billion. And he's saying, having $5 billion brought me no joy whatsoever. How about this one? John D. Rockefeller, the richest man that ever walked on the planet. He said, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. I'm going to tell you his tithing story in another lesson, but he was wealthier than anybody that lived. You could argue that Solomon was more wealthy, but Solomon was a kingdom. He wasn't an individual. So uh, this guy was the wealthiest guy that ever lived. And, and he says, it brought me no joy whatsoever. How about Andrew Carnegie? He said, millionaires seldom smile. And he was worth $298 billion in today's money. He could buy and sell Bill Gates. And how about Henry Ford, uh, the famous pioneer of the Ford Foundation, or Ford Motor Cars? He says, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. And he was worth $188 billion. Here's why I share this. Um, joy doesn't come from things. Joy only comes from God, and happiness comes from God. And generosity brings us a greater happiness in our life. So... I believe I, I did a good job proving a point. God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. So let's have a moment in, in God right now. Can we bow our heads and pray? And Lord, I've done my best to teach an incredible Bible text, and I thank you for every precious person in this room. Lord, for some, I've just encouraged them in what they're already doing. And, and for others, Father, I'm introducing a new subject. I'm actually planning something for the first time. And Lord, all of us are in between there somewhere. And I thank you for every precious life in this room. And Lord, my confidence is in your Bible. My confidence is when I read a scripture, you speak to hearts. And Lord, I know you spoke to hearts as I taught the Bible today. And Lord, here's what I ask. Uh, I'm going to give a God moment. And I just ask, Lord, that you speak to people's hearts. You deal with them concerning their generosity and their attitude towards finances and supporting your work and being generous and Lord, I thank you for taking all of us up to a higher level by opening our understanding. So as we pray, guys, I want to give you a God moment for 30 seconds and allow you to communicate with God in the way that you do. Lord, I pray over every precious soul in this place. As we go through this series, Lord, some may not be able to make a week or two, but they can listen to it online or another device. Lord, change us. Grow us in this area. You said we're to excel in this grace of giving. So grow us, Lord God. And Lord, we trust you. We put our lives in your hands, not on Pastor Joe's hands, not on anyone else's but in your precious hands. Grow us, Lord God, and grow these dear people in the precious name of Jesus.
Can we stay in prayer? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just for a moment more. I like to give this invitation every week. And if you're here and you can't remember uh, a time when you made it personal with Jesus, uh, you know, go, living in America, you hear about Jesus all the time. But uh, have, can you remember a time where you said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you and I make it real? Here's what the Bible teaches us. That, that Jesus died for the sins of the entire world, that he gave his life for all of our sins, and that whoever calls on his name, that he'll save those people. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day in my life when I made it real, when I accepted Christ, but I want to do it today. I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible says whoever calls on his name, that Jesus will save that person. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's moving around. You say, Pastor Joe, I believe that. I'm ready to make it real. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. I want to become one of the children of God. Would you pray with me right now? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And everybody else in the room that has prayed, would you pray this with us? And Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. And Lord, I accept him as my Savior. Jesus, I give you my life. I believe what the Bible says about you. And I make a decision to follow you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believer's Church, visit believers.cc.